Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The gospel for the second Sunday of Easter is recorded in John chapter 20. These words will serve also as the basis for today's sermon. On the evening of that first day of the week, When the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I'll give you a moment, the doctor says. As soon as the door closes, Kyle and Carrie turn toward each other with quivering lips and tears streaking down the face. They embrace in a moment that turns into body shaking sobs and the thought crosses their minds that they had promised each other in sickness and in health till death do us part but they never imagined that the word cancer would enter their ears in the first five years of marriage what would happen next What would the treatments be like? How much would he suffer? Would Kyle be able to beat cancer? Would he even live 
to the end of the year. Gabriella was behind closed doors too, locked in her bedroom so that no one would come in and see what a hot mess she was. Gabriella was curled up on her bed in a ball, clutching her knees, rocking back and forth as if in hypnotic state. Not the boy band posters on the wall, not her quinceanera crown from last year, not even random TikToks on her phone could cheer her up. Why had her life become such a mess? Why did it seem like every relationship around her, including her own, seemed to crumble and fail? Why couldn't she meet her own or her parents' expectations? What was she going to do for college? How could she get into college? Would she ever afford college? Gabriella was terrified. Agnes, too, was behind a closed door, looking longingly at the door, just hoping that someone might walk through. By this point in her life, all her children and grandchildren were grown up and had moved far, far away. And since her husband had passed a year ago or so, she had become more and more and more lonely in their retirement condo. Left alone in those confining walls to her own restless and relentless thoughts, Agnes looked back on her life with so much regret, so much shame, so much guilt, so much embarrassment over all the things that she had done. And now everyone was gone and and she was left just alone with God. Would he abandon her too? Would he still love her despite all that she had done? Could she ever keep on living with all the guilt and all the shame? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. President FDR once said in one of his inaugural addresses, well, ain't that the truth? Fear is a crazy thing, isn't it? Fear will keep you off of the hiking trails because you're afraid of bears or snakes. It will keep you out of pools and oceans because you're afraid of drowning or sharks. Fear will keep you out of Willis Tower in Chicago because you're afraid of heights. Fear will keep you off the public platform because you're afraid of public speaking. Teens have what they call FOMO, the fear of missing out, and so they're locked into their phones for updates and connections all the time. Teens are afraid of what their parents think, what their peers think, how their ACT will turn out, what the future will hold. But it's not just young people, old people too. Parents have plenty of fears, fears about their children living in this world, getting lost in this world, getting hurt or getting harmed. And so parents, we spend endless time, effort, energy and dollars to protect our children at any cost, even if we become helicopter parents. The fear of aging, the fear of death leads to billions of dollars spent on doctors and dosages, prescriptions and pills, and all kinds of secret cosmetics, creams, and cures. But what are we really afraid of? 
Wouldn't you say that one of the greatest fears of them all is this, the fear of the unknown? The fear of the unknown is what leads to all kinds of worst-case scenarioism, or sometimes they call that catastrophizing. Have you found yourself doing that before? What if there is a bear on the trail? And what if playing dead doesn't work? And then what if I end up dead? What if Putin doesn't stop? What if he attacks America? What if we end up in World War III? What if the chemotherapy doesn't work? What if this journey is too painful? What if my family is left abandoned without me? What if I lose my job? Then what if we lose our house? Then what if I can't provide for a successful future for our children? What if, what if, what if? All these fears just seize our hearts. Now, to be fair and to be sure, there are plenty of things in a broken, sinful world with sinful people that cause us to be afraid. But oh, how that fear attacks my own sinful nature. And those anxious moments just press on the pressure button in my life and Satan licks his chops just ready to pounce on his prey. And he starts whispering in grief and guilt and despair and doubts and hopelessness. And we bite into those lies faster than Adam and Eve with fruit in the garden. And so may I suggest to you that there is actually something else going down much deeper, much further in your life. These are all very real fears, but yet somewhat superficial. If you do some real big deeping down deep into the recesses of your heart, you'll probably find the greatest fear is actually this. The fear of a broken relationship with God. Think about that. If I'm afraid of the future and afraid of the unknown, am I not really saying that I'm afraid God won't be with me, won't guide me, guard me, protect me, provide for me just like he promises? If I'm afraid of COVID, afraid of cancer, which are very real and serious things, am I not, though, also saying I'm afraid God can't cure me, God can't help me, God can't give me strength, or God won't finally lead me to heaven where there are no sicknesses or diseases? If I'm afraid of my own shame, afraid of my own guilt because of all my sin, am I not kind of slightly saying, I'm afraid God's love has limits? I'm afraid God can't forgive this or forgive me. You see, if I had perfect trust, I'm talking trust like we see in Jesus, the Son of God, throughout his entire earthly life. If I had perfect trust, why would I ever be afraid? And so we see with all the fears that we have in our life, lurking down deep beneath them all are these painful truths. My life is broken from sin, which makes my relationship with God broken, and that is terrifying. Maybe case in point today with the gospel that we heard a few minutes ago. Here we have another group of people behind closed and locked doors, and one of them who was there wrote about it. John. John tells us this. They were there with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. 
Now, mind you, if you're tracking the Easter timeline here, Jesus had been telling his disciples for months that all of this was going to happen. And already on this day, the women had been to the tomb and seen it empty and told the disciples. Peter and John had already run to the tomb and seen it empty. Mary Magdalene already had a personal appearance from Jesus and told the disciples. And so everything happened just like Jesus said. There were angels confirming it, sightings of Jesus, and yet here they still are, locked in a room, afraid. But I see no one pointing fingers here because it's very relatable, isn't it? And because it's so relatable, we can imagine all the fears they had racing through their minds. What if we're next? What if they arrest us too? What if we're crucified? What if someone stole Jesus' body? What if the women are lying? What if this is a hoax? What if they were just seeing things? What if Jesus never comes back? What if we have no hope or future? And down beneath all of those were probably deeper fears too. What if Jesus is alive? What's he going to say to us? I abandoned him. Is he going to abandon me? We denied him. Is he going to deny us? What if Jesus doesn't love us anymore? What if, what if? And then Jesus is there standing in the middle of them with all those fears. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus say after all that fear? Oh, you morons, how could you? Didn't I tell you? How many times did I tell you? How come you still don't believe? How could you deny me? Why would you abandon me? Oh, you sinners! Not at all. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Oh, that word, peace. God's people have loved that word for ages. If you do searches, you can find it all over the Old Testament. It was so precious to God's people, the Israelites. They used to greet each other with that word, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem in Hebrew. Peace be with you, peace be with you. And as they heard the prophets proclaim this for centuries, they longed for, longed for this day when they could have peace. Peace is a word that means, generally speaking, no conflict. But more specifically, peace is when you're in a state of blessing, a state of flourishing. And in particular, you have this blessed flourishing because your relationship with God is good. Oh, how God's people waited for this day when we could have this peace. And then suddenly, suddenly, one day, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. The angels announced to the shepherds because the Savior was living and breathing and here. And we fast forward from that moment three years to the end of Jesus' ministry, and now we see him in this room living and breathing again. And what does he say? The promised Prince of Peace has come. The promised Prince of Peace has won. And so he gives the gift that he won as he says, Peace be with you. 
And before Satan could even start this whole doubting business and plant more fears, Jesus gives them proof of this peace. John writes this, After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. And then the following week, for the sake of doubting Thomas, he said, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. He might as well have just said, stop being afraid. Jesus gave them all the proof they need. And then John wrote at the end, did you hear those words? John said, these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Surely, sinful people have plenty of things to be afraid of when it comes to our relationship with God, except for this happened. Jesus came, and the Prince of Peace went to the cross to experience the most horrifying, dreadful, terrifying thing imaginable, separation from God with hell. He did that for you. And then standing, living and breathing, with his wounds, he shows the proof the wounds that show, I died for your doubt. I washed away your worries. I forgive your fears. Jesus paid the wages of sin, which is death, for us to alleviate God's wrath and anger to make this new relationship with peace. And so the living, breathing, victorious Savior stands among us and says, Peace be with you. But you're all Bible gurus. You are Word of God mavens. And so you're smart. And you know you're not going to get off that easy. Because Satan's not stopping there. That slithering serpent, that crushed snake is not going to give up. And with his last dying, gasping breaths, while this world remains, Satan is going to do everything he can to plant more fear into your heart. Jesus tells us today how blessed we all are to have not seen like Thomas and to still believe how blessed we are. But you know what? That's tough. It's tough to not see Jesus face to face and to not touch him like Thomas did. And Satan knows it's tough too. And so he's coming with all of his doubts to whisper in your ears, to plant all kinds of fears in your hearts. And there will be times with our sinful nature that we will continue to stumble and fall and falter along the way because the struggle is real to maintain Easter joy. I'm willing to wager a bet that the joy you had last Sunday has just ramped down a notch or two in the ensuing days. What else then can we do except to come back to the one source, the Prince of Peace? And in fact, in just a few minutes, we will sing together, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Grant us peace, we'll sing. And so we'll be together in this moment singing, begging for peace yet again from Jesus. And there in this room with closed doors, not locked, don't worry, but with closed doors there, with a fearful heart, suddenly Jesus appears. And Jesus appears to us and says, here, touch me. No, don't touch my hands, don't touch my feet or my side. Touch 
my body and my blood, risen, alive, given for you, for your forgiveness, the proof of your victory. And what does the pastor say, in case you forget, just to remind you, your sins are forgiven, depart in peace. And this just blows our mind that we have a little Easter meal like these disciples on Easter evening and we're left wondering and thinking and pondering and praying and singing some more and worshiping what happened here, this encounter with Jesus. It's so amazing. And have you noticed over the centuries what God's people have done, what they have designed in our worship services, which are very particular and very carefully planned? Have you noticed what God's people have designed to be the very last word that crosses your eardrums and goes into your heart before you walk out those doors? The pastor stands out he, up here and on behalf of God himself says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. And just like Jesus says today, As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And so we walk out these doors with this peace, the peace that the Apostle Paul says to the Philippians transcends. It, it surpasses all understanding. You see, when we walk out these doors with our little Easter meal and our encounter with Jesus here with peace in our hearts, it's not that we walk out the door knowing the war in Ukraine is over. It might be soon and we sure hope it is, but there will be more wars. And we don't walk out these doors knowing there will never be a pandemic ever again and every cancer cell is now cured and there will never be a job lost or a home foreclosed or any problem ever again. No, 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 no. We know in a sinful, broken world with sinful people, these things will happen. And so instead, we walk out these doors knowing, I have a peace that surpasses understanding because I have a repaired relationship with God. I've been redeemed and restored to this status of God's own child. And so we know, when we walk out those doors, there will be war, and there will be pandemics, and there will be cancer, and anxiety, and worry, and problem, and pain. But I know that God is with me. And I know that he will work all things for my good because he loves me and he promises it. And I know that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I know that he will be with me every step of the way, guiding me and leading me to my home where there will never be hunger or thirst, pain or problem, and he will wipe every tear from my eyes because there in heaven there will only be Jesus and only peace. My friends, this is what Jesus has done for you. This is what Jesus has won for you. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. So now and forever, peace be with you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you.